Therefore I say, Ea, let these things be, and I will send forth into the void the flame imperishable, and it shall be at the heart of the world, and the world shall be. And those of you that will may go down into it. And then suddenly the Ainur saw far off a light, as it were a cloud with a living heart of flame. And they knew that this was no vision only, but that Ilavatar made a new thing. Ea, the world that is. Hey guys. Hey, welcome back everybody. Uh, my name is Danny J. This is Joel N. And we are Keep On Tolkien. Keep On Tolkien. And welcome to season three. Welcome to season three, guys. Everybody. Yay. Yeah, we, we made it three seasons already. Yeah. Well, two seasons. We're, well, we're Let's starting. not count our chickens. Yeah. <laughs> it can go wrong. We just wanted to throw out a big <laughs> thanks to everyone who's been with us this long. Yeah. everybody's uh, Everybody's been great. We love y'all. You guys hit us up on Twitter. You know? Yeah, I feel like we've been growing a lot together as yeah. a, an audience base and a podcast. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's fun. We're excited to start up again. It's been a little while for us. <clears throat> we've actually been doing a lot of stuff, but not podcasting. Yeah, no, we've which been has busy. been frustrating for us is we've been very busy, but not doing the main thing we set out to do, and that is podcasts. <laughs> and so, what do you ask? What have we been doing? Well, we we uh, we did a lot of stuff uh, to launch our new Patreon. Yeah, yeah, we started a Patreon, guys. Go check it out. Go check it out. That's uh, keep on. Uh, it's kot podcast at patreon.com. Yep. So check it out. Um, give us some money. There's also uh, exclusive content on there. So if you're a huge lover of Keep on Tolkien and you want to get some more content, check out that Patreon. Yeah, you want some more of that content? There's some fun stuff on there, guys. Go check it out. Yeah, it's really fun. We had a hell of a time recording it. <laughs> yeah, since it's special content, we had a lot of fun with it. There's a little not safe for work content on there. And yeah, some it's other a little funny... more gritty, I'll say. Yeah, and then there's also just some funny shticks. Yeah, it's good. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, what else did we do? We did a, a, a what's called Minnesota Fan Fusion. Yeah, it's kind of like a local con. Yeah, of it's sorts. it's a con for everybody though. It's it's inclusive of uh, all the different fandoms. There's oh yeah, Hoovians there. There were horror people there. There was a lot of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, gamers. It was yeah. one of my first cons I'd ever been to or yeah. con like experiences, and it was it was so much fun, guys. We yeah. got we got to host two panels of this. Yeah, and uh, they were they were I would say incredibly successful. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, they were a lot of fun, and uh, more people showed up than I thought would. Yeah, we had a pretty good turnout. It was it was good. Yeah, and yeah, we uh, most importantly, we had a lot of fun, and we met a lot of cool people, and uh, made some new friends. Yeah, we did make some friends. We had a lot of one on one conversations yeah. with people. It was really cool, guys. And also, if you haven't seen our social media page. We met fucking John Reese Davies. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, there's a photo of us. Check it out. Yeah, if you don't uh, already follow our social media, go ahead and check that out while you're at it. We're on pretty much all of them. Yeah. And some other stuff we're going to talk about this season. We're going to get into some uh, some more character profiles. Yeah. Um, we're going to be discussing um, the uh, a couple stories, uh, one per- story in particular from the Unfinished Tales, which we're excited about. Yeah. And we're to probably... Be yeah, to be announced. We're probably doing that... Uh, 
that big old Last Alliance episode, probably too, that we've been. Oh yeah, we've promising. been building up to that. We're yeah, we're working on it, guys. There's yeah. so many things we've got that we want to make epi- yeah, full episodes out of. It's, it's ridiculous. So we'll literally text each other in the middle of the night, and be like, "We should do an episode about this." <laughs> literally up until like a couple days ago, <laughs> yeah. we've still been doing that. Yeah, it's been pretty constant. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's an insight into our lives. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna talk about plenty of fun things, but today we're going to be talking about the Valar. Yeah, we wanted to start off a little basic this season. We yeah, realized kind of get the flow, get the juices flowing again. Yeah, get the juices all warmed up and juicy. We thought it was a good subject. The past couple seasons, we'd uh, talked about the Valar a lot and referenced them, so we figured we'd give them their own episode and just kind of review. So, riddle me this: Who are the Valar? Well, I'm glad you asked. So the Valar, they are of the race called the Ainur. They are the mightiest of the Ainur. And Ainur means uh, the holy ones. Yeah. yeah. They're sort of like angelic beings initially. Yeah, that's a good way Good way to put it. Initially. Initially. And uh, they're the beings that cre- that uh, physically create the everything we know as the world. Also known as Ea and the earth itself, Arda. Yeah, by, so on Arda... The they're revered as gods by the children of Ilavatar as as we know them. So the men, elves, dwarves, and such. And such. And they're also the lords of the Undying Lands, which is uh, the continent of Aman across the Sundering Seas. Valinor is the most preferred to it. Yeah. And their origins come from a thing called the Anulindale, which is we've talked about in several. We talked about it in the Sauron episode. We talked about it in the Melkor episode. We talked about it in the Gandalf episode. Yeah, we've we reviewed the Anulindale a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not going to get too deep into it, but we are going to kind of you know pick out where the where the Ainur were in all this. Mm-hmm. So the Anulindale is known as the Song of the Ainur or the Great Song. So this Great Song was begun not by the Ainur, but initially it was begun by Eru. Eru, the one, the one, and this is the one that you may know. Uh, it's called Iluvatar by the elves, and that means all father. And his name Eru means one who is alone. And Eru's thoughts are what originally gave rise to the race of angelic beings known as the Ainur, or the Holy Ones. And each of these Ainur are born from a different part of the mind of Iluvatar. And also, they were immediately taught to sing as their main mode of <laughs> communication. <laughs> Yeah, so the difference in the minds, I mean, that's just how you get all the different... Flavors. Yeah, all the different flavors. All you get flavors. All, You get all the different Ainur with all their different specialties and, and you know, all their different personalities. Because he's Eru, he's, he knows everything. Yeah, he know? is everything. He is everything. And then him teaching them to sing, then that just means that they all made their own individual beautiful music. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he taught them to sing... And he started them on a harmony after he taught them to sing. He got them all to sing together in Mm -hmm. one great harmony. And that's what started what we know to be the themes. Yeah. And there were three of them. And when the Ainur began to sing all together, this is when the first theme was introduced. But at this point, the first of the Valar, who is named Melkor, comes into play. Yeah, this is when we get to know some of the Valar, or excuse me, some of the Ainur individually. Because we get to know Melkor first. Mm-hmm. He's the mightiest of the Ainur. And unlike the others, Melkor actually possesses more than just one part of the mind of Ilovatar. Yeah, he's a hodgepodge of information. Yeah, so he's he's like the mightiest of them. Which makes him incredibly crafty. Yeah, as, <laughs> as we come to find. And Melkor rises up his own theme and introduces what's, you know, discord. 
into the song. He makes it sound shitty. And this discord is what manifests itself as evil in the world as we come to know it. So here we see Melkor basically becoming like the Lucifer type character. Yeah, yeah. He's doing his own thing. While everyone else is doing the communal thing, he's doing his business. And that's what Melkor does. And that's what introduces evil into the song. But after his initial discord in the first theme... Ilavatar stops and uh, the Ainur perceive that he smiles and he commends Melkor for his strength. And then he raises up his hand and he begins another theme. But lo and behold, Melkor's discord rises up again. And in this time, he gets other people to start joining him, other Ainur. And the discord is... Further disruptive. Further dis- yeah, it's yeah. more and more disruptive as it, as it goes along. Yeah, now he's attracting other people to him. So it's just messing things up further. Mm-hmm. And this time, without stopping the music, Ilavatar raises his right hand to begin the third theme to combat the discord of the second. And again, Melkor tries to spoil the third theme. But the music from everyone else is too loud, and it drowns out the discord of Melkor. And at this point, Ilavatar raises his hand and stops the music again. He scorns Melkor, you know... You really have to be such a dick all the time, Melkor. Right. He's constantly interrupting this. I mean, we had I mean, to re- just, we had to start what three times yeah, now because we're trying to sing a song, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he's he's made it an issue. So at this point, when Ilvatar stops the music again, uh, the the Ainur perceive that he's angry and he's terrible to behold, and he actually scorns Melkor. Then he kind of pieces out and leaves him for a little bit, but then after a while, he comes back. And he takes the Ainur to the edge of the void to see what the song had created. And this is when he reveals to them the world and a vision of what the world will be, essentially, right? Right. Yeah, this is the this is the vision of what the song is. Yeah, this is when he reveals to them that the entire time they were singing, their song was actually going to be manifested into a physical world. Yeah. And he shows them what that world is going to be. Yeah, it's kind of like... They were all recording an album, right? And like each of them sung their part in the studio, but they never heard the fully mixed album before. <laughs> so like they sit down and he's like, their producer comes in and is like, yeah, I got it all mixed and everything. This is post-edit, baby. Yeah, this sounds yeah, real good. This is real good. And that's what this is. He, just, he puts it all together for them. And they're absolutely amazed by this vision of this world that they've never seen. And, and some of the uh, the Ainur, they, they kind of get the idea that they want to like go down into this this place that was made by the song. Yeah, be a part of it, because it's beautiful. Yeah. They wanted to especially be a part of it so that they could help prepare it for the children of Ilovatar. Yes. That was the most amazing part of the vision to them, is because they had no idea that that was ever in the plan. Mm-hmm. And so after seeing the children, that's that's one of the things that really made them want to go down and be a yeah. part of it. Yeah, they, they really loved what they saw to be the children of Ilavatar to be. And and at this point, the world is in uh, what can be described as an embryonic state. uh, It exists, but there are, it is a place, but there are no features. Yeah, we actually, we actually had some debate about what this means because we found that the the Anulindale is a bit vague. Yeah, it's pretty vague. Because I guess this entire time that I had known the story of the Anulindale, I, I assumed that the Valar came down into like an actual physical world that had like land and ocean, and they just had to like, you know, form things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you had a you had a different idea, right? Yeah, I had a completely different idea, which turned out to be, I think, the more correct way. 
You know what? No, I'm <laughs> um, no. But my idea, uh, my idea of the whole thing was that the, uh, they come down into uh, like a place, like a void. Like it's it is a place, but there's no features. There's no light. There's no you know. There's no water. There's no air, and they have to create all those things. You know, we can uh, <laughs> we can agree to disagree, <laughs> but. I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know if it's up to just interpretation. Maybe there is more information out there somewhere that I'm just missing. Yeah, so if you guys know, uh, and you know, you got a good source, hit us up. Yeah, us maybe there's some more in the history of Middle Earth that, that we're yeah. missing. That'd maybe be great. we're just stupid and we don't know how to read and we don't understand the story that we're talking about. I mean, that's a little harsh. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little harsh. <laughs> maybe we're dumb as hell. I don't know. Nonetheless, <laughs> the world comes to be... And the Valar, some of them choose, excuse me, some of the Ainur choose to go down and enter that world. And that's when they become the Valar and the Maiar. This is when the Ainur are finally uh, split into two different categories. Mm-hmm. And the mightiest of which are known as the Valar. And the Ainur being the lesser, or I'm sorry, the Maiar being the lesser, they more or less end up being sort of the uh, servers of, yeah. of the Valar. They, they help them in their duties. They're helpers. Yeah. They're like assistants. It's like if so every all the Valar got some interns to come help them mm-hmm. with what they were doing. Yeah, they're interns. Yeah, that's a good way to look at the Maiar. They're interns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to get some interns. Yeah, we need a fucking intern. <laughs> so, Valar. Yeah, there, let's, there let's are. On. Yeah, let's. Uh, so there are fifteen of them in total. Seven men, seven women. Uh, if you can call them that, they're spirits. So like, yeah, know. they said when they came down that they sort of took the genders yeah. that their personalities yeah, aligned yeah. with. Yeah. I, that's how we kind of explained it. But mm. I mean, mm, Who you can anyway. see some pretty old school themes in some of uh, <laughs> yeah. some of the, especially the the women's roles. But yeah, let, yeah. Let's jump we'll into get it, it. We'll get into that. Uh, but the one thing uh, up top, we're gonna say we do not cover Melkor in this list, right? Because he's technically not considered one of the Valar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he originally is in the same class as them, right? But he works to like to not the same ends as them. Yeah, he, I think that's more or less where they draw the line because mm-hmm. he descended down into Ea just like the others, but it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily for the same reasons. He wanted right. to rule it. Yeah, create that discord. <laughs> so let's let's get into the list. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Ladies first. We're going to go over the queens of the Valar first. Yeah, so let's start off right off the bat with Varda. And that means sublime or lofty in Quenya. Most will know her by other names such as Elbreth or Githoniel. And Githoniel means star kindler. And I believe Elbreth is the queen of stars, right? Is that Sindar? That's Cinderin, yeah. I okay. think it means Queen of Stars. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it means yep. Queen of Stars, yeah. Um, yeah, but that is Cinderin. And that's um, the, the name that uh, you know Frodo shouts out when he gets stabbed on Winterton. Yep. Elbereth! Yeah. Wow, we said that in just in sync. That was crazy. It's perfect. That's going to be weird to edit. <laughs> <laughs> so Elbereth, or Varda is her proper name, she's known as the Vala of Light. And we've got a little excerpt about her. Too great is her beauty to be declared in the words of men or elves, for the light of Ilavatar lives still in her face. In light is her power and her joy. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's right out of the Valaquent in the Silmarillion, right? Indeed. Right in the beginning there for you. And she's the most beautiful of all the queens of the Valar. And she fittingly marries, is the wife of Manwe, who is the king of the Valar, so there you go. Yeah. 
We'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, we'll get, well, in a while. We're going to cover all the ladies first because that's how it goes. So like we mentioned earlier, under the Valar are some of those interns. <laughs> so some of the some of the notable uh, excuse me some of the notable Mayar that kind of hang around with with Varda are Ilmare Ilmare I was totally gonna pronounce that wrong I'm glad you got that <laughs> Ilmare Ilmare the handmaid and she's the handmaiden of Varda she's always uh, just doing her bidding and then someone that we may know from last season Olorin Olorin who we come to know in the Third Age. As Gandalf. Yeah, and he's one of the five wizards. But you can learn all about that in episodes oh, 16 yeah. and 17. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that she was the one that sent him, though. That's That was... Uh, yeah, her and, her and, uh, her and Manway. Yeah. Yeah, man. She's uh, she's tight with Olorin. Yeah, that was a good pick. That was a real good pick. All right, let's get into another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yavanna. Which means giver of fruits in Quenya. She's also known as Kementari, which means queen of the earth in Quenya. And Yvonne, which means giver of fruits in Cinderin. And we've got a quick excerpt about Yvonne as well. In the form of a woman, she is tall and robed in green, but at times she takes other shapes. Some there are who have seen her standing like a tree under heaven, crowned with the sun. And from its branches there spilled a golden dew upon the barren earth, and it grew green with corn. But the roots of the tree were in the waters of Ulmo, and the winds of Manway spoke in its leaves. Ooh. That's a really cool shape. Yeah. Yvonne does some gorgeous stuff. I mean, she's basically Mother Nature. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And counterbalancing, uh, she's the wife of Aule. Yeah, the harsh smith, the one who created the dwarves, nonetheless. Yeah. And she created all the flower, flora and fauna in the world. And she later, um, something a little tie-in for everybody, she later created the race of beings known as the Ents to guard her creations. Yeah, that was actually more or less in reaction to her finding out about the dwarves. Yeah. Because she's, she's like, My no. husband got to make these creatures, <laughs> and all his creatures are just going to come cut all down all my trees. Yeah, he made the dwarves with more or less just a disregard for that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. she was real worried about it, and she's like, I need a defense. Yeah. So she was allowed the Ents. The most notable work by far of uh, Yavanna is the two trees of Valinor, which were called Telperion and Lauridlin. I think they're arguably two of the greatest creations in Tolkien's entire legendarium. Oh, yeah, everything stems from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Silmarils, they get their, more or less, all of their glory and light from those trees. Yeah, and the sun and the moon are but a shadow mm-hmm. of what the trees used to be. Yeah, they were just, uh, what, a fruit of each, right? Yeah, fruit. So, under Ivana, uh, she's got a couple Maiar interns as well. Uh, one of which is... Oh, please pronounce that for me. I can't. I say Iowendil, and that's Radagast. Radagast the Brown. Yeah. Also one of the five wizards. Next up, we've got my personal favorite, Queen of the Valar, Nienna, which means weeping, or she who weeps in Quenya. Yeah, it's quite a build-up to... Uh, <laughs> To, to such a sad character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her other names are Lady of Mercy, uh, Lady of Pity and Mourning, and Nienna the Compassionate. And uh, just like many of us, she's forever alone. <laughs> she has no spouse. I suppose it's appropriate. 
I mean, if she's the the Valar of like mourning and weeping, yeah, you can't be putting that shit on other people. No, you, know? you got to take that yourself. And I, I guess it's further appropriate that she's the sister of Mandos. Yeah, Mandos and Irmo, who are known as the Feanturi, the brothers of spirit, the spirit brothers. Yeah, they're like the two Valar that have control over spirits, mm-hmm. which I guess that is a particularly powerful power oh yeah yeah well and we 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 talk about those guys later so we're gonna come to them so her part in the song she had a specific part and that was one of deep sadness and this is how grief was first entered into the world because it started in the music we got a little excerpt about that as well she is acquainted with grief and mourns for every wound that arda has suffered in the marring of melkor so great was her sorrow as the music unfolded that her song turned to lamentation long before its end, and the sound of mourning was woven into the themes of the world before it began. She, but she does not weep for herself, and those who hearken to her learn pity and endurance and hope. Yeah. And she's actually literally constantly weeping yeah. for the sorrows. She's of the world. always weeping for all of the sorrows happening in the world. And she's got plenty to weep about. And her tears are actually what watered the two trees of Yavanna when they started out. Yeah, and that's how that's what helped them to grow. How beautiful. Yeah. I love Nina. I love the idea of like that there's somebody just like super emo about every terrible <laughs> thing that's happening. Someone's super sad. It's kinda cool how that sadness was like funneled all the sadness in the world was funneled through her. And just then came this, out into this one chick, man. We just funnel it all into her and sh- let her do it. But she with was it. able to let it come out in the form of tears, which helped water these two beautiful plants. So it's like I sadness suppose. was actually turned into. It's pure distilled sadness. Pure distilled sadness <laughs> used to feed these wonderful trees. <laughs> and she also, uh, uh, Olorin, Gandalf also hung out with her quite a bit. Yeah, so that's where he learned a lot of his compassion and pity from. I think that was a really important characteristic about Gandalf that he got from her. Yeah. Moving right along, we get to little-known Valar, Este, which means rest in Quenya. Yeah, she's the wife of Irmo. She's considered the Vala of healing, and she lives in Lo- the Gardens of Lorien in Valinor with Irmo. And she had a uh, a fountain in the, in the midst of the gardens of Lorien. She had her own fountain? Yeah, that she it was like her thing, yeah. Oh. And everybody in Valinor went there and they drew refreshment from her fountains in Lorien. She's also the one that personally tended the body of Muriel, which is uh Feanor's mother. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty slash dead corpse. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Fenway's first wife. Her spirit left her body after giving birth to Feanor. And uh Spoiler alert, we may be learning a little bit more about that storyline in the future. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Este's always known to be clad in gray as well. as her raiment. And some of her notable Maiar. Uh, this one likes to jump around too. Melian. Yeah, she's actually hung around a couple of the Valar, which is, I think, why she became such an important character in Middle-earth. Yeah. And she's, uh, you know, the wife of Thingol, Queen of Doriath, and the mother of Luthien. Moving right along. Next we've got Vire, the weaver. And she's the wife of Mandos, and she lives in where else but the halls of Mandos. And she's also called Gwir by the Noldor. That's kind of a shitty name. No offense. <laughs> yeah, no offense to anybody named Gwir out there. <laughs> if there's anybody named Gwir, 
I want to first yeah, hit I, us up on social. I media. want to first apologize if I've insulted you, and secondly, <laughs> I want you to hit us up just because I'd be really curious to find out if anyone named Gwir is out there. Yeah. Furthermore, if they're listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so something important that Vire does is she records all of the history of Arda. She weaves it into the form in a form of tapestries. Right, the, the tapestries. She weaves so yeah. She weaves the history into tapestries, which she uh, decorates the halls of Mandos with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ever expanding halls of Mandos. So she's got tapestries all over the halls, just illustrating the entire history of Arda. And we've got a fun little excerpt about her as well. And this is in reference to Mandos. This clip for some context. Vire the Weaver is his spouse who weaves all things that have ever been in time into her storied webs, and the halls of Mandos that ever widen as the ages past are clothed with them. Yeah, so that's pretty much it for Vire, man. Yeah, there weren't <laughs> there weren't uh, there weren't many notable uh, interns for her, so we're yeah. gonna hop on along to our next lady on the list, which is Vanya. Is it Nya or Vanna? It's Vana. Vana, excuse me. Vana, the beautiful one in Quenya. She's the sister to Yavanna and the wife of Orome. Yeah, they call her the Ever Young. She's kind of like the ageless beauty of the Valar. And she was also a nature goddess. And she was the queen of flowers, specifically. It was said that she made a dress of flowers for the wedding of Nessa and Tulkas. Yeah, that happened in the, in the spring of Arda. The noontide. And she had influence over all the flora and fauna of Arda. A little excerpt that backs up that, that point right here. All flowers spring as Vano passes and opens if she glances upon them and all the birds sing at her coming. Beautiful. Her notable Maiar are once again Melian and also Arian, who later became the vessel to carry the sun after the darkening of Valinor. Yeah, something that I learned recently about Arian. Apparently her and Melkor never got along. Apparently he particularly hated her because her eyes, like were able to like see right through him see through the bullshit yeah basically yeah she had a great bullshit detector <laughs> you know this guy he's he's bullshit he's full of bullshit so our next lady on the list we have nessa which means young in quenya and she's also known as nessa the swift because she is apparently very very fast <laughs> she had the favor of all the swift animals especially deer yeah, and they actually follow like a like a a, a posse slash entourage of deer, <laughs> follow her wherever she goes. I just imagine her just like bounding through the woods all the time <laughs> with a bunch of deer behind yeah. her. I think she's having fun. She is the sister of Orome, which is appropriate. Um, she married Tolkas during the spring of Arda, like we just mentioned. She got that awesome dress of flowers. Mm-hmm. And that was on, on the uh, Isle of Almoran, which was the original, the OG dwelling place of the Valor before Melkor right. destroyed it. And like we said, she was robed in the flowers of Vanna. It was so nice of her to make those flowers for her. Yeah, it was said that the house of Tulkas and Nessa after they got wedded was a super fun place to be. Oh, hell yeah. Tulkas and his buddies, his warrior buddies, and his uh, other Maiar, I'm assuming, that he likes to wrestle with. Invite all the interns. Yeah, invite all the interns over, and they get um, they engage in what was, was referred to as revelry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's really funny. I've, I've, you know, people say Tolkien is sexist, but I thought this was really funny. 
a little funny. One of the things that Nessa the Young is actually known for is bringing beers and wines to her husband and all of his buddies. Yeah, during their little parties. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, really? Is she's Sorry. known for this? Trying to keep it together, but some of these uh, real old school values coming out and some of the, <laughs> in, the, in the ladies is just kind of funny. Bring us bees. Bring us bees. Bring out the mead. <laughs> so jumping over to the lords of the Valar, the guys. Yeah, here we go. Starting off the bat with Manway himself, known as the Blessed One in Quenya. Mm-hmm. His other names are Sulimo, which means the breather. And <laughs> Manawenos. <laughs> it looks like man these nuts is what the <laughs> word looks like. Man these nuts. <laughs> but it's Manawenos. Yeah, Manawenos. It sounds oddly Native American for Tolkien. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, but that's his name. But Manwe, he is the king of Arda. He's actually head of what goes on around there. And he's the leader also of what are called the Aratar, which are the great, the uh, the eight of the top Valar. The great eight. Yeah, the G8 <laughs> of the Valar. Yeah, the term Aratar is actually Sindarin for exalted because they're, you know, the special ones. The special ones. And they include, let's count them off, Manwe, Varda, Umo, Yavana, Aule, Mandos, Niena, and Orobe. Yeah, so he's sort of the head of that super group, uh, on, on top of already being the king of pretty much the entire physical world as it is. Mm-hmm. And the skies are his dominion, and he is the lord of wind. Yeah, a lot of the Valar, especially when we get more into the into the men, you'll see some of the themes coming out, like Yavana's like Mother Nature. I think we already mentioned Owlay's like the smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Manway, he's sort of the Vala of the air. Mm-hmm. The air and the skies and all that jazz. And we got a fun excerpt about uh, Manway. In Arda, his delight is in the winds and the clouds, and in all the regions of the air, from the heights to the depths, from the utmost borders of the Vale of Arda to the breezes that blow in the grass. Air's his thing. Yeah, air is his thing. And he uh, created the the great eagles that we know. Right, yeah. Right, Thorindor and the gang. And they're his eyes in the skies. He also loves all, all other birds. And uh, a little uh, uh, excerpt about his bird loving right here. His bird loving. <laughs> <laughs> all swift birds, strong of wing, he loves. And they come and go at his bidding. Yeah, it seems a lot of the a lot of the Valar that have those themes also usually have like like their own race. So. Yeah, their own like creatures associated mm-hmm. associated with them. Like we mentioned, Yvonne's got the Ents, and I think like we mentioned, Owlay's got the Dwarves, and Manway's got these Eagles. Umo's <laughs> got we 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 talked about Umo's earlier. I we just laughed. found this out like thirty yeah, minutes ago. It was super funny. We're gonna get to it. Okay. Yeah, we'll hold off on that. Umo's <laughs> got his own special. Hook creatures and they're great okay here we go uh back to manway so manway is the husband of varda like we had mentioned the uh i think she's the queen of stars right yes and uh the lady of light in general stars and light and uh he's also what is referred to as the brother of melkor which has always kind of confused me because they're not right like how are they brothers yeah but they're brothers anyway yeah but they're brothers so he's considered the brother of melkor yeah and where would you find Manway? But no other place than his throne in Teniqueto. And he's got a couple notable interns as well. One of which, well, this guy's cool. Ianwe. 
Oh, uh, yes. We see Ianwe pop up a few times in some of the first stage stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the herald and banner bearer of, of Manway. And he's also the friggin' weapons expert. Yeah, this guy. Nobody can fight with, like, he knows weapons better than anybody. Because, like, Tulkas is the best fighter, right? Yeah. Tulkas but he uses is, his bare hands. Yeah, he uses his, he doesn't need anything else. Yeah. He's just like, ah. Yeah. Ianwe, on the other end, he's, yeah. He's just loaded up, like, uh, like, like friggin', like, Neo at the end of the Matrix, just... <laughs> <laughs> and just all the guns. He's got it, and he knows how to use them. Isn't he also more or less like the captain of Manway's armies and yeah. stuff, too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And once again, Olorin, who Manway personally sent to Middle-earth to deal with the threat of Sauron. Yeah, Gandalf's all over the place. He was the uh, wandering wizard even before he was a wizard, I guess. Yeah, and Manway actually straight up comforted Gandalf when uh, Gandalf revealed to him that he had doubts about being chosen because he was straight up afraid of Sauron. Yeah, when he was chosen to be one of the Astari to go over to Middle-earth and deal with with Sauron, he he straight up said, I don't think I should do this at first because yeah. I'm legitimately scared of this I'm guy. Sc- I'm scared. <laughs> and I think that's when Manway said that's all the more reason because... Yeah, you got a healthy fear. A healthy fear, exactly. Other titles of Manway are the King of Arda, the King of the Valar, the Lord of the Breath of Arda, and the Elder King. Yeah, he's got a bunch of names. I mean, he's the king, so... Yeah. He's the king. Uh, next, we'll jump to one of my favorite Valar, Ulmo, which is the name itself is Quenya for Rainer or Pourer, uh, because he's basically the Valar of the waters. Right. And he has a couple other names Ulubaz with one L, and then also Ulubaz with two L's. And then uh, he's also known as King of the Sea and the Lord of Waters. And he is one of th- another one of these uh, Valar who have no spouse. He's always kind of going off doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. He also has no permanent place of dwelling. He prefers to post up in deep waters or flowing rivers. Yeah, he almost never goes to any of the meetings of the Valar either over in the Ring of Doom. Uh, only when there's something real big going on. Usually when it involves Melkor. Yeah. That's usually when he's there. He's just like, you know, he's always like, hold my beer. And then he has to Got to deal with this, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he often delivers uh, news of events in Arda in Middle-earth to the Valar and vice versa. He's kind of the only communication between the children of Ilavatar and the Valar for a while. And he is in all the waters flowing above and below ground. And here's an excerpt about it. Ulmo is the lord of waters. He is alone. He dwells nowhere long, but moves as he will in all the deep waters about the earth or under the earth. For all the seas, lakes, rivers, fountains and springs are in his government, so that the elves say that the spirit of Ulmo runs in all the veins of the world. Thus news comes to Ulmo even in the deeps of all the needs and griefs of Arda, which otherwise would be hidden from Manway. Yeah, he's a real important character for a lot of the stuff that happens in Middle Earth. Yeah, he also like interacts with the children of Ilavatar directly. Almost, I think more. Yeah, than, more than anyone else. Uh, I don't know, if except for Oral Man, maybe. If, uh, maybe, but he's yeah. the only one that actually goes out of his way to go tell them things. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. tell them not yeah, to not do to things. do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's basically like the Tolkien's uh, Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus was the one that I was looking up for men, giving him fire. Mm-hmm. Ulmo's the Lord of Waters, but he's, you know, sort of the same. Always, uh, always helping. Yeah, helping he's me. always got the backs of men. And some of Ulmo's notable Maiar interns, the most memorable, probably one of the most memorable Maiar of all time, is uh, Ase. And this is the Maiar that guards the coasts of Middle-earth. And also, 
helped move the island of Tol Arisea to near the shores of Amman in the Teleri Ferry fiasco. Wasn't that, yeah, wasn't it because he loved the, t- the Teleri? So yeah. he wanted to help them. Or he yeah, didn't he really want them to, them to go, but he wanted to help them get to where they wanted to mm-hmm. go. So he, he did it anyway. Yeah. And he also raised the Isle of Numenor. Oh, he was the one that did that? Yeah, yeah, it was Ase. Um, and then there's Uinen, wh- who's the wife of Ase, and she's associated with tides, waves, and sea creatures. Ulmo's also got, is it Salomar? Salomar, yeah. Salomar, the wife of Ase. Or excuse me, the uh, the musician of the sea, rather. I'm just misreading. <laughs> um, Salomar created the Ulumori, which is the horns of Ulmo. What about this next one, Joel? Uin? Uin, who is known as the Great Whale. <laughs> so this is what we found out while we were doing this episode. Yeah, this is what we were talking about earlier. Is that Uin is the leader of a sentient race of whales. I did not know this. That, yeah, they they go throughout the seas and they <laughs> do shit in the sea. Apparently this Great Whale also helped ferry the island of Tol Erisea. For the uh, for the Teleriels back and forth to get them over to Valinor, I didn't I didn't even know that uh, Ulmo about this had whale. a race of whales. Yeah, I didn't either. That, but he does. That's crazy. Well, at least we know <laughs> that there's someone you know doing good stuff in the water, right? That yeah. Someone's got an eye on that. I can't wait for the fan fiction of <laughs> <laughs> the whales in the water. The the giant sentient <laughs> whales. I'd love to see an entire history of Middle Earth from the perspective of those whales, like just ships going over every now and then. Oh, where sure. are they going? Where are they going? Oh man! <laughs> Imagine when Numenor w- was sunk, or like every time, like the geography yeah. changes, the whales are probably like, oh, "What the, f- what the, the fuck? fuck? Come that? on, man!" Like waters are like flowing over. Like, God damn it! Yes. So the whales, the their wh- thing, their thing. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next Valar, Aule, which means invention in Quenya, and he's also one of the Aratar, the great of the the greats of the Valar. Yeah, and like we mentioned before, he's the the smith god, so he's often associated with uh, building things, you know, rock, stone, masonry, that kind of stuff. Father Earth. Father, yeah, exactly, Father Earth. Uh, Some of the things that he did uh, were raising the two great lamps of Valar. So before the two trees of Valar that illuminated the world, he created two lamps until Melkor the dick. Tipped him over. Tipped him over. Burned everything up. Yeah, he also created the, the vessels of the sun and moon. That carry the fruits of Telperion and Laurelin. And also, that badass chain in Gynor. Yeah, that's a real cool chain. It's the the only chain that they're able to use to chain up Melkor. Yeah. Although they bring it back the second time, too. <laughs> yeah, they bring it back like, remember this bitch? Remember this bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they do that where you, like, snap it, you know? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Aule also, I think we previously mentioned in this episode, he created the dwarves. He really wanted to have a race that he could teach his crafting and all of his ways to. So he went ahead and decided he wasn't going to wait for the children of Ilavatar, and he created the dwarves. But he did it without the permission of Ilavatar. Uh-oh. No bueno. And of course, Ilavatar found out about this, and he became angry, and he ordered Ale to destroy them. Smoosh them with his hammer. Yeah. Sort of a uh, story. What's the story from the Bible? The Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, yeah. exactly. And as Aule is weeping and lifting his hammer to go smash the dwarves that he just made, you know, same story, Ilvatar stops him, stays his hand at the last yeah. second. He's like, look at these beings that you created. 
They are now acting on their own. See how they quiver away from your from your hammer? That's yeah. because I just gave them life. Yeah. And he's like, Do you see? Do you see now? <laughs> Because originally when he created the dwarves, they were like automatons, I think you described them before. Yes, yeah, more like automatons, where he had to use his... Uh, his own mind. His own mind to get tr- to to keep them sentient. Because Aule did not have the ability to, well, I don't know what, wield the flame imperishable. The flame imperishable, So correct. they didn't technically have their own sentient life until, until Ilvatar did this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little, little, little much on the dwarves. If you want to hear more about the dwarves, check out our... Yeah, uh, check out our season finale from season two. Super uh, fun. Episodes 29 and 30. Yeah, the dwarves, they call Aule Mahal. Mahal. They really revere him. He's almost like God himself to them. Yeah, yeah. That means maker, Mahal, in the Kuzdul. In the dwarven language. He's also the husband of Yavanna, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and if you also, if you had to compare him... To one other Valar, it would probably be Melkor. Like if you if you had to add like who is Melkor closest mm-hmm. to, it'd probably be Aule. Yeah, that's one of those distinctions that always I I mixed up because Manwe is the brother of Melkor, and yet Aule is most similar in thought to Melkor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. But you know, Tolkien makes it work. And also <laughs> a little <laughs> funny note, um, which kind of leads uh, from that thought. His notable Maiar. <laughs> That's right. Um, one of which is Myron, which is, is, is you may have learned in our podcast in the past, is the original name for Sauron. Sauron the Deceiver. <laughs> Sauron. Um, and then also Kurumo, who has turned out to be Saruman. Yeah, so, so, so two of his big uh, interns turned out to be two of the biggest dicks. Yeah. Wow. Come on, Ole. Wow, Ole. He doesn't know how to hire good people. Yeah, dwarves aren't always the nicest people either, man. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, Ole? I guess his thing is more smithing, though. Yeah. Maybe not all. the best people skills. He doesn't have the people skills. He needs a good HR department. <laughs> all right, moving along. One of my favorite guys here, Orume, which is my probably my favorite one to say, Orume. Mm. I'm going to name my firstborn son Orume. That's a pretty badass name. Orume. You could call him Oreo is like a yeah. nickname. Ori. Oreo. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remind you when, when your wife is giving birth. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Uh, and that means the sound of horns in Quenya. And he has some other names too. What are some of his other names, Joel? So some other names of Orome are Alderan, which is horn blower in Quenya. He's also got Ara, which is horn blower in Sindarin. Aromez, which is horn blower, horn blower in Valerian. And then his other name, Tauron, which means Lord of Forests. And that's a name given to him by the Sindar. And Orome is, above all, the huntsman. And he's known for hunting and riding. Yeah, that's his theme. He's the hunter. Mm-hmm. And he was the swiftest horse rider friggin' ever, dude. And he was really into breeding or, uh, horses and hounds. Uh, one of which was Huan, the Hound of Valinor, who was gifted to Orome. Uh, one of our favorites. gifted, yeah, to Kelgorm. Yeah, yeah one of from our Orome favorites. to Kelgorm. Yeah. One of our favorites. Yeah, from the Tale of Baron and Luthien. Then he also had his steed Nahar and its descendants, the Mayras, who are, of course, as we know, the High. High Horses. Yes. <laughs> I'm keeping it together, don't worry. <laughs> God, I love the High Horses. High Horses joke never gets old. He was, <laughs> he was also the first Valar to come in contact with the elves at Quivienen. Yeah, he's the one that discovered. Well, I shouldn't say that. 
No, was we shouldn't first. say that, yeah. He was the first of the Valar, I suppose, because yeah. Melkor is not considered a Valar. Yeah, Melkor found him first, which is kind of what he talked to them about. Yeah, exactly. That's also where we get the orcs, fun fact. But Orc origins. Orcogens. So after learning about how Melkor was the first to discover the elves and he was apparently kidnapping them and torturing them into orcs, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. obviously distressed Orme. Yeah. So he went back to Valinor to tell the Valar about it. And this ultimate uh, molestation of the elves was the cause for them to take a tumno finally. What was the name of that battle? It was the... Uh, the What do they call it? The War for the Sake of the Elves or something like yep. that? Yeah. yeah, it was one of the real early battles that happened mm-hmm. on early in the in the world. And there's no there's no accounts of it other than the Eldar who saw the the earth shake and lightning and crazy shit off in the yeah, distance. Yeah, because the Eldar had like just woken up. And they weren't even really sure what the world was about at that point. No, yeah. And then there's a god war going on. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere up in the north they just saw like lightning and like earthquakes and shit like what the fuck is going yeah but ultimately after that gets all dealt with um orme is the one that leads the eldar who are willing to go that is on what's known as the great journey trying to take them back toward valinor so they they could live in bliss with them yeah that's one of the big moments in which orme plays like a big part in history Mm -hmm. is that great journey there orme is also the brother of nessa and the husband of vana and he blew a great horn known as the Valoroma, which uh, when Huan is fighting Sauron, it says, uh, er... In the banes of Huan is heard the horns of Orome. Of, yeah, of Orome. That's what it's referring to. The Valoroma. Orome is, uh, he's similar to Tulkas in strength of arms and uh, fighting skill. But uh, one of the things is that Tulkas is always laughing. And he's uh, he's always just like having a good time, but uh, Orome is stern and dreadful in anger. I always assumed that ultimately Tulkas would come out on top in that fight, right? Because it said that he's the greatest fighter. He's the greatest there's ever been. Yeah. 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 So Tulkas would would win that fight, but it would be fun. I feel, yeah, I feel like that would be a hell of a, a hell of yeah, cause, a, a battle. Because yeah, because Tulkas would be running to, around on foot yeah. trying to tackle him <laughs> off Orome his horse and shit. Yeah. And then Tulka would just be like, aha! Yeah. And Orome like, would have like around. an army of dogs just, roo, 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 just yeah, <laughs> it'd be crazy. Yeah, I just imagine Tulka just like punching away a bunch of <laughs> giant dogs. Just, yeah, <laughs> grabbing them, banging them together. Then you get those high horses in there. <laughs> those high horses. Yeah, so don't fuck with Orome. Yeah, bottom line, don't fuck with Orome. He's, he's, he's still, he's a lot more stern than Tulka is. So he's supposed to be particularly dreadful in his wrath. Yeah. And this is a little quote just about that. Orome is a mighty lord. If he is less strong than Tulkas, he is more dreadful in anger, whereas Tulkas laughs ever in sport or in war, and even in the face of Melkor, he laughed in battles before the elves were born. So some of the notable Maiar that uh, followed around Orome are Tilian, and Tilian is the Maiar that guides the moon on its path. And also, notable Maiar, Alatar and Palando, the two blue wizards that went to Middle-earth and nobody ever heard from again. I I can never remember their Maiar names. Yeah. Like, as I was reading over this the first time, I was like, who the, who the fuck are those I guys? always remember Palando, but I can never remember the other one. But yeah, those two blue wizards failed. Well, we, we can't say they failed. We don't know. They didn't get to come back, Joel. 
What do you mean they didn't get to come back? They didn't go back to Valinor like all the other ones did. Well, one, you know, Gandalf went back because he finished the mission. Do we know that they didn't go back? I don't know if we don't. No, we never hear from them again. Well, maybe they're doing some important shit out there. No, they're not doing important things. Hey, man, we don't know what's going on out east. <laughs> it's true. There's a lot going on. God, I wish we knew some of this. I wish there were stories about some of the stuff that happened like far to the east. Yeah, dude. Because, I mean, we don't hear about like a good third of the dwarves because they go out that way too. they go out that far, yeah. Anyway, going on. Anyway, moving on. Next Maiar. Mandos, whose name literally means prison or fortress. That's, uh, well, I suppose it's because that's not his natural name. It's not his real name, yeah. As we learn. So Mandos, that's what people call him. It's Quenya for prison or fortress, but his true name is Namo, which is ordainer or judge. Much more appropriate. Like we said, he's almost never, ever called that. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Everyone always calls him Mandos, yeah. which is a pretty cool name. But uh, when you realize it's actually just the name of the place that he, the hangs, place out, he hangs out, it's yeah. just another one of those things. I don't know. Why would you call him by the place that they're at? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But his brother's the same way, and he's one of the Feanturi, which is along with his brother Irmo, and that means master of spirit. Yeah, those spirit masters. They got a particular power. And um, he is also married to his interior decorator, Vire. <laughs> the weaver of all those awesome... Uh, yeah, those awesome... Tapestries. Tapestries. Yeah, so he's considered the lord of the dead. All spirits are judged in the halls of Mandos. Elves, uh, they stay there to be reincarnated. Later on, they get to chill. Uh, men, as we figured out, they hang out there for a little bit, and then they leave. Yeah, sometimes, right? Because Baron got Baron caught up there. Yeah, tallied or tarried in the halls of Mandos. That's what they said, yeah, so he but, hung out. Uh, yeah, I had never heard of any spirit of man ever going to the halls of Mandos prior to that, though. Yeah, no, that's why I assume weird. that they all do, and they must just, like, bust right. out there. because they leave. do specifically mention that in the story of Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Yeah, since the fate of men is unknown, it's hard to interpret what happens after they die and where they do and don't go. But we know for a fact that Baron was there for a mm-hmm. while. And uh, so Mandos is also particularly known for being the prophecy maker. He's the one that comes up with all the crazy prophecies. Mm-hmm. He has a stern countenance, and he actually never forgets a grievance. Um, he actually counseled the Valar not to allow the Noldor to return to Valinor because he... he he didn't he, like once you fuck up. Didn't he also speak out against uh, the releasing of Melkor too? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> He's on point with some of this stuff, man. Like, yeah, dude, listen to listen to Mandos. Yeah, he. There's a reason that he's uh, the one who's always giving out prophecies. He knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next Valar. His brother, Lorien, which also is not his real name, but, but Lorien the, is the name of the garden. The name that of he, the garden that he hangs out at. Um, but his true name is Irmo, which means Master of Desires in Quenya. And like we said earlier, he's one of the Feanturi, along with his brother Mandos. And the thing he's really big for, what's what's he known for, Joel? He's the one responsible for giving people special dreams and visions. Uh, many characters in Tolkien have things revealed to them through dreams and visions, and that's mainly the work of Irmo. That's his thing. Right. Yeah, like notably when uh like Faramir and Boromir's Yeah, dream. they have they both have that same they dream. That same dream. Yeah. yeah. For Faramir it was reoccurring, right? And then for mm-hmm. Boromir he had it once he had and he's once, like, I'm yeah. going. Yeah. We gotta go to Imladris and figure out what this is about. Yeah. We yeah. talk about that in uh I think Council of Elrond episode or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the work of Irmo, that kind of stuff. He's also the brother of Nienna, which kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. The uh, husband of Este. And other than that, there's not a whole lot of information out there about Irmo. 
But his influence on the children of uh, Ilavatar is great because of like like we said of all the dreams and visions and things mm-hmm. that that happen. So it's kind of hard to quantify like how right. effective he is. But, but he's given everybody all these inspirations and dreams and right, which is pretty important in a lot of their stories. Which, yeah, very important. All right, let's get to the last guy. Moving on to a really fun one, Tulkas. Tulkas, and that means strong or steadfast in Quenya. Yeah, he was the last of the Valar to descend to Arda, and he made a hell of an entrance. Um, He was a direct response to the threat of Melkor, and his presence is what turned the tide in the struggle against Melkor. Melkor would straight up just run away in front of him because he knew he he Mm -hmm. can't fight Tulkas. He's, He's the strongest. Yeah, and here's a little excerpt about that. So came Tulkas the Strong, whose anger passes like a mighty wind, scattering cloud and darkness before it. And Melkor fled before his wrath and his laughter, and forsook Arda, and there was peace for a long age. That's right, after he came initially, I forgot, that's when Melkor kind of fucks off for a while. Yeah, he leaves, but then he comes back with all the Balrogs, remember? Oh, yeah, that's when he goes and gets all the other Maiar, and he yeah. comes back. Uh, He's like, they got Tulkas, I'm gonna get some friends, too. <laughs> get some people to help me. Get a bunch of Balrogs or some shit. Get a fucking Balrog. Yeah, show him. He doesn't show him ultimately. <laughs> but, yeah, Tulkas really fucking sticks it to him in the end. But yeah, in the end, Melkor gets his feet cut out right from off, under yeah, him because yeah. he, as he's begging for mercy, they just it's cut like, his feet nope, off from chop, under him yeah. and they smash his crown over his neck like a collar. Well, yeah, they chop off what's left of his feet too after what Fingolfin did. That's right, because yeah. Fingolfin fucked up his like foot. A foot. They cut off a foot and a half of his. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of people in Tolkien with, like, missing appendages. It's just kind of a reoccurring thing. A lot of missing limbs. So, during the spring of Arda is when he had his wedding, which I think we mentioned before. His yeah. wedding with Nessa, where she got that wonderful flower dress. Mm-hmm. And Tolkien is always filled with mirth and laughter, even when he's fighting at war. Yeah, like also like we mentioned earlier, their house, Nessa and Tulkas, was like a party house. A party house, yeah. And the cool thing about Tulkas is even though he's the most badass fighter of all time, he uses no weapons or rides no steed. And here we've got a, a little excerpt about him. He delights in wrestling and contests of strength, and he rides no steed, for he can outrun all things that go on feet, and he is tireless. His hair and beard are golden and his flesh ruddy. His weapons are his hands. He has little heed for either the present or the future, and is no avail as a counselor, but is a hearty friend. He definitely sounds like a good guy to have around. Yeah, I would like. I would love to party with Tuklas. I bet he's super fun. He seems like he'd be a real good friend. Like yeah. I mean, like obviously, like the <laughs> like the passage just said. I guess he's not much of a counselor, but still. Yeah, you don't come to him for advice. Support though, <laughs> but support. You need somebody to roll deep with you. You call Tuklas. And uh, the coolest thing about Tulkas ever, and it's probably his main weapon, is that Melkor is straight up afraid of him. Legitimately runs away. He's the only one that can take on Melkor in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, and he's done it more than once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's done it. It's awesome. And this, this is a little, this is from the Siege of Otumno. This is an excerpt. Then Tulkas stood forth as champion of the Valar and wrestled with him and cast him upon his face. And he was bound with the chain in Gynor that Aule had wrought and led captive, and the world had peace for a long age. Beautiful. Yeah. But that's about everything that we've got uh, on the Valar for you today. Yeah, that's the list. That's uh, It's uh, you know, a brief overview of the Valar. 
Yeah, it's definitely good to to get that under your belt, though, and just kind of understand where all the different themes are coming from for all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because uh, you know we refer to the Valor a lot, so now you know yeah. who they are a little bit. Yeah, and there's some pretty big movers initially, and uh, you know some of them have some key tie-ins to history, like yeah. Owlay and the Dwarves or yeah, Yvonne Alvarez, and the Ents yeah. and mm-hmm. all that cool stuff. But yeah, we had a uh, what? Let's, so let's let's go. What do we? Who do we learn about today, man? Yeah, so just a little review. So today we learned about the ladies of the Valar and the lords of the Valar, and we kind of touched on all the roles that they played through history, any important ones. And we also kind of touched on their uh, their Maiar that they that they kind of run with. Yeah, yeah. And also their relationships to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting to learn about. You can go a little bit deeper. I think Tolkien throws out a little bit more information about some of their relationships uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you really dig for it. But, you know, this is, this is great. Yeah. But that's pretty much all we got for you today, guys. Uh, thank you so much. This has been episode one of season friggin' three. Yeah, thanks for coming back again, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. We uh, wait on bated breath for every listen. We check the numbers every day. <laughs> and uh, we we love what's, you know, what's going on. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for allowing us to have three seasons yeah really. and uh don't forget to follow us on all the social media like we mentioned we're on the facebooks the twitters the instagrams we're on the youtube all of, that fun stuff and of course our newest little thing the patreon, patreon guys and and what the patreon is, is it's is a monthly subscri- subscription service where you can set a donation to to give us for what we do and in exchange um, you will get exclusive content that is made by us for you, and it's super fun. It's stuff that only real true fans <laughs> would enjoy. True yeah. fans of KOT would enjoy. So, so thank you for helping us out, because yeah. uh, we, we definitely appreciate any help that we can get for helping us continue to do this. Yeah. We love doing this with everybody. And we've already got some people doing it, so we'd like to say thank you so much to all those people doing that. Absolutely. And uh, we want to throw out a, a thank you to Minnesota Fan Fusion since Hell they... Oh yeah. So awesome. Yeah, they were great hosts over our, our sort of uh, between our season break. Like we had mentioned, we did some panels at the Fan Fusion. It was yeah. fantastic. So thank you to Minnesota, Minnesota Fan Fusion for that that opportunity. Yeah, and we, we definitely have plans to go back next year, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Going back, we might do a few more panels. It was a lot of fun. Maybe a live show? Our friend Ella was talking about she uh, she we should ask uh, we should ask Anthony to do a live show. Oh, that'd be, fanta- yeah. that'd be fantastic. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. So you guys, if you are in the Minnesota or Twin Cities area, you should definitely check out the Minnesota Fan Fusion event when it comes. I think yeah. it's every August. Yeah, and uh, also other cities have Fan Fusions, too. Um, I think Phoenix has one, and I can't remember where else they do them. But Anthony, the guy we know, is in charge of all of them. Oh, he's in charge of all of them. Of all of them, oh, yeah. Man. Not just ours, yeah. That's yeah. why he was so busy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was real good. He was real helpful. Yeah. Um. So, like we said, thanks again to Minnesota Fan Fusion. Check it out, guys, when you get a chance. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, that's that's about all we've got for you this uh, this episode, episode one. Yeah. And uh, uh, like always, my name is Danny J. And this is Joel N. As always, keep, keep on, on talking. Aude and Tuluba.